0: There were 10 people that were taken off
1: site. A lot of people have been talking about these fires, but it was so much more than that.
0: Podcast 99. Podcast 99, we are back. We are continuing the timeline of the day two coverage of Woodstock 99. And today we're doing something a little different. We're being joined by our buddy Bill Conway here of The Hard Times. How are you doing, Bill? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Doing good. You ready to... Uh, Dive into some of this this Woodstock '99 shit. You know it. Uh, all right, very good. So uh, first, uh, we you know we've been trying to keep you guys updated on the ever changing Woodstock '50. Um, it's gotten really fucking messy now. Uh, you know, last I think we we left off. Let's see, the investors had pulled out. Then Michael Lang said that he wasn't aware of that. Uh, this is is of course after they were late, you know, giving the deposit payments to some of the artists. Uh, some of the artists pulled out and then the venue canceled on them because they weren't able to sell tickets in enough time. And now Lang hired some top lawyers, one of whom defended Trump uh recently. And uh, you know, th- the president Trump, uh, if you're not familiar with the name. And uh oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy. Yeah, yeah. And uh so that that's like already like kind of a bad look. And that's an he hired a legal team to make the people still need to play because he's insisting that no matter what, it's still going. So then these Las Vegas bookies started taking fucking cash bets on whether or not it's going to happen, which is crazy. Uh, I wouldn't put my money on either, uh, too many stipulations. But uh, and, and now they're asking for everyone's support. And they had all these tweets coming out from people. One guy said he went to all three Woodstocks and nothing's going to keep him from going to the fourth. And one person was like, well, how, I'm 18. How old would
1: that dude be at this point? Like, like probably
0: old. <laughs> but I mean, a lot of people brought their kids to the original Woodstock. So he could have been like a right. five year old. Oh, you yeah. know, that's cheating. right. So, I mean, he yeah. could be 55. And that he doesn't count. 75. Yeah, well, I mean, and the older folks need to be careful going to Woodstock, because as we learned, the one person that has died so far uh, at Woodstock 99, as far as the the amount of time that we're into the festival, was one guy who went to the original one. He died because he had open heart surgery like 11 days before, and the heat killed him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude, true rock and roll yeah. soldier. So. Basically, we're exactly where we left off with Woodstock 50 before. Is it gonna happen? We don't know. Things are getting crazier and crazier. Uh, Lang is being very persistent that yes, it will happen, but oof. it is there right. are safety concerns there.
2: Well, but so he said but now he's got this whole money drama where he says that the Dentsu Agis, which is like a Japanese investment company, I guess, they pulled the money out without they pulled out like seventeen million dollars without his knowledge, <laughs> and and then I read a statement from them because he because he made it sound really shady, but then they came back with a statement saying that that's fully within their rights as investors that that was the money they had invested, and when they no longer had confidence in the project, they were just taking their money back. Um, and I don't know how the number seventeen million went to thirty million because now. There was just a slew of articles in the last 24 hours saying that he Lang was going to need $30 million by Friday, Friday, May. I would have 10, trouble
0: getting $20, to $20 to together it. by Friday. <laughs> it's that's a it, ton it, of dip bread. It's yeah, a Wednesday a right now. And if you were like, yo, I need a hundred bucks on Friday or else. I'd be like, well, fuck. I'm fucked. <laughs> but <like> $30 million <laughs> by Friday. What kind Isn't of like the plot of big the wig Friday? schoolyard bully shit is that? Yeah, isn't that the yeah. of <laughs>
1: Friday? <laughs> so if Woodstock 50 did happen, everything goes smoothly, would you guys be going?
0: I, unfortunately, yes, probably. Uh, I feel like it's now expected of us, but also, like, I fucking hate festivals anyways. Mm-hmm. Like, it'll like it's not going to suck any worse. The, the saving grace is that I can say, like, oh, no, I went to Woodstock and I saw how shitty it was. But... Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, so, you, I mean, I, I was know. really excited that it was going to be canceled because <laughs> I was <laughs> thinking, oh, I won't have to go. But now, if it comes together, it could be such. It, it, it'll be teetering so much that then it kind
0: of feels as if we would have to be there. Yes. Yeah. It's a, it's a disaster waiting to happen. So, but. We're still not done. We still haven't gotten to the disaster that did happen yet, but we are at the end of day two. We're going to be talking about the headliners of the two main stages, and we're going to be going back to the rave in the rave hangar. So we're on the West stage now uh we just uh you know we we just left rage and Mickey Hart <laughs> that that's who that's who we we had covered last time so Mickey Hart just played uh drummer of the Grateful Dead played a huge world music set and now it is the big beat Kings the Chemical Brothers uh yes,
2: and this is a this is a welcome change for me uh, <laughs> just just kind of just it really is at this point in the into the festival something that is absolutely different in terms of the music and just watching the set was just something that we hadn't really experienced before and you know i i'm just, i'm glad for it yeah i mean there's not it's much to a completely see different style going on
0: yeah there's not a whole lot to see but it was nice to not like have to pay attention as hard as I have, you know what I mean? Like, cause there's just two dudes behind, like, a fucking mad scientist laboratory of shit. Uh, so, real quick, though. They were formed, the Chemical Brothers, were formed in Manchester, uh, UK, in 1989 by Tom Rollins and Ed Simmons after they attended a rave together at which a DJ mixed hip-hop beats into their techno set. This inspired them, along with Fatboy Slim, The Prodigy, and The Crystal Method, to create a genre of dance music that became known as Big Beat, which is a super, super 90s sound. Um, basically what happened, uh, in the early nineties and then, you know, coming into the late nineties is you heard dance music go from like to like, and that's, you know, using break beats as opposed to just the traditional four on the floor, kind of acid house stuff that was huge in the UK and in rave culture elsewhere in the world. So it, it was, they were pretty innovative and they're still huge. Now they're considered pioneers of electronic music, um, And, you know, Big Beat also was a predecessor of Trip Hop, uh, like bands like Portishead and Massive Attack, where, again, it was, you know, mostly electronic driven music, but with hip hop elements, which hadn't been done before. Of course, Trip Hop is a lot trippier than Big Beat. Um, But a lot of these bands do have a very
2: uh, psychedelic element to them, Um, you know, just including. Because raves are drug things. They're drug things.
0: Yeah, drug things are supposed to be trippy and psychedelic and huge and lots of stuff going on.
1: Are you? Have right. you either of you ever been to like a proper rave, like a musical background? I don't know much about where either of you guys came from, uh, so I don't know. Uh, big, big, uh, big fans rave? of these things. No,
0: um, I've I've always been too scared to go to like a massive, uh, as they're known. You know, but
1: are those are the ones are out in the woods or something like y- that. Yeah, where and-
0: they have like ecstasy tests testing stands where you can like get your drugs tested first to make sure you won't fucking die. Like, it's just like so fucking crazy. Like where else? Like imagine if you had to do that with food. Like when you went to a restaurant, you had to go to the, like the guy and make sure that it wasn't poison. And sometimes it would be, that would make me never eat again. Your corn
2: dog into a, a little testing kit before you eat it. No, I've never done anything like that where I did not end up back at my house. You know, I've, I've done like shit in the city. And gone to raves but i i feel like also that subculture is so dense and that i'm not you know truly privy to it that i don't know you know i went to a big warehouse and there was tons of throbbing strobe lights and music going on for hours but but is that I'm a sure so, i'm yeah <laughs> i'm sure someone probably could have analyzed that and said, "Mm, that's, that's not a real wave or something. So (laughs) I have, yeah,
0: I mean, I I used to play like my, I was in a metal band that for some reason got looped in with a bunch of DJs uh, and like, 2006 to 2009 and we would play like quote-unquote raves in the valley that would always be in, at someone's house and again it's like yeah no so no massive giant things i've been to like a dance tent at coachella or whatever but most of the time where i felt like i was at a rave it was like a super sketchy warehouse or someone's backyard and the only reason why it would end was because the police were there and and that was it so no i've never yeah. experienced like the positive like everyone had their hands up in the in the air moment um but whatever <laughs> you know i i can still appreciate it um and so chemical brothers when they started uh they started as a dj duo called the 237 turbo nutters good change of the name there yeah. <laughs>
1: excellent choice But they're probably right.
0: like, oh well the 237 turbo nutters like is something you know what i mean and then they also uh they cite uh yo the bum rush show by public enemy as a major influence we've seen that with like we talked about when we talked about limb biscuit like where new metal came from it's it's hip hop influence coming into different genres of music. And that, you know, not only did it come into rock and and metal in the nineties, it also got into dance music and, you know, all, all kinds of other music, you know, hip hop was the newest untouched thing that you could start breaking up and sampling. Rock had been cut to pieces as far as sampling goes, you know, rap started sampling stuff. So then techno started sampling rap. Like it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty weird evolution, but basically what I'm saying is, Music like Chemical Brothers, Prodigy, Crystal Method. It's the new metal of techno.
1: <laughs> I'm, gonna, yeah,
0: I'm yeah. gonna
2: well definitely the definitely Prodigy and Crystal Method lean towards that. I watching Chris uh, Chemical Brothers though does have that 69 spirit in it. Definitely. The music is generally has this very kind of uplifting tone to a lot of it and doesn't the vocals don't get super new metal y. Or, well they don't or even or have library. any and they don't, they
0: don't have any like distorted guitars or anything. Right. R- really you, you you know what I mean? Oh yeah, so Bill so 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 you know, uh we have a thing that we keep track of here where we call it it's 69 vibes, mm-hmm. where it's it's glimmers of the original Woodstock uh which are few and far between. So something like the Chemical Brothers while it is yeah, this huge blown out electronic act that is, you know, essentially super 90s and of the time, it is 69 vibes. Right. Because no one's getting hurt, and uh, no one's trying to break shit, and everyone's, like, there with the music. All right, so let's get into the set. Uh, Much Music, the MTV of Canada, basically, they interviewed the Chemical Brothers about Woodstock 99, and they seemed slightly indifferent towards the idea of it as a whole, like most of the artists. You know what I mean? Very few artists went into it being like, wow, Woodstock! You know what I mean? It, it, it wasn't that kind of a, a thing for a lot of people, but they, they did kind of appreciate it. Uh, so let's listen to them, uh, what they have to say before they played.
1: I didn't like a lot of peace and love flying around. They're like big old bruising blokes hitting each other, watching corn. Maybe that's getting rid of yeah, all the aggression. Said, like, yeah, happy
0: after
1: that. Maybe the, that's like the 90s version of showing affection yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. I think it's, you know, if you get mud thrown at you, it's like,
0: oh, the guys are all right. Mud. Everyone loves mud. the mud.
2: <laughs> the, the, yeah. Well, there, there, and I mean, there was definitely that whole, there seemed to be a lot of night a 90s trend of being just very detached in interviews, kind of that, that sort of slacker. Like, I just really couldn't care less, like, what I'm doing.
0: (laughs) No one gave a shit. Everyone was so much cooler
2: back then. Right. But also, I'm sure everyone was kind of, I'm sure people in the back of their mind were thinking, man, this, this is kind of like this big court, this Pepsi Budweiser event and they're all just getting these fat paychecks right yeah and you can't really talk about that except for you know some of the acts that we'll discuss later we'll talk about how much (laughs) money they were getting made ICP we'll talk about how much money they're getting made but other people you got you kind of gotta be cool like oh yeah we're just here whatever you know
0: I think it depends on how on how big they were you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. on how jaded they were like ICP yeah they never expected to be asked to play a fucking festival where they're gonna play in front of 250 thousand people ever you know what I mean? And people showed the fuck up for them. So yeah, you know what I mean? And they probably never expected to get paid a hundred thousand dollars for one performance ever. So yeah, they're going to talk about it. You know what I mean? And then yeah, the next group that we'll talk about who mentioned money, they kind of had the opposite thing where they get paid so much all the time that it's like kind of a joke to them, <laughs> you know? Yeah.
1: Uh, uh, all it, right. well, it was weird when you mentioned yeah. though, their indifference towards the thing. There seemed to be in like all the interviews that uh, I watched, there was like a narrative that the interviewers were pushing about, like how important is this to you? And everybody's like, it's not, you yeah. know, like it's, <laughs> It's just another show, except there's more people here. But we're gonna get on a bus. We're gonna go to the next place, and right. we don't really care. But the 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 narrative they were trying to push always kind of interested me. Like, it's what, it's why Woodstock. You, yeah. Are you know? getting paid to buy them to like hype this in interviews or something? Well, when we talked
0: to uh when I talked to Jenny Alessi from Rolling Stone, she said that you know like Rolling Stone before the festival even started had like a complete package of all the stories that they wanted, and I'm sure all these major publications did. You know, so I yeah, I, I feel like like there was a story that everyone definitely wanted to tell, and the shittier of a journalist you were, the more obvious it was that that's what you were trying to right. do, and the much music folks uh are goofs uh, from from what we've seen but
1: their Triumph uh, ripoff was a great is it a thing.
0: ripoff or is it like just the, well again it might just be a Canada thing it's like no that's just Canada's Triumph it's a sock <laughs> like
1: <laughs> I don't know it seemed too similar I don't want to seem like South
0: Parky though ripping on Canada like you know what I mean it's like it's just a fucking another country like, <laughs> like you know what I mean but it's, 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 it's funny just that some late 90s bullshit it's just the neighbor that you pick on they all call us fat and stupid so <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. All right, so their set begins with a loud buzzing that kind of hums up, and it's got some synth wave stuff coming in, and it's in total darkness. And the thing that we've noticed, I mean, with corn, it was a little different. I feel like they had a lot more state. I mean, maybe this is because people ripped shit the fuck apart on the second day. Um, but it seems like there was a lot more lighting on the crowd during the first day at night than there is the second day. The second oh, day seems 100%. really dark and, and crazy, mm-hmm. and you can't see any fucking thing uh on stage or in the crowd um yeah. and and yeah they I have think like- that might be the choice though i think that because was it,
2: it was raging Against the machine before i i can imagine uh zach de la roche being like no i he doesn't want to be having a lot of light on him and then of course chemical brothers it seems like they were
0: well they had their own stuff the lights yeah yeah, yeah. And, and you know darkness always goes with dance music so <laughs> you're right darkness <laughs> does go with dance music. <laughs> there is definitely some darkness going on there, but not as dark as the rave, which we will get to later. All right, so they look like two mad scientists in a lab. They virtually have an entire recording studio. I wish uh, our producer, fucking Gray Holgrove, of Condredick Sound, was here to discuss the gear, but also I feel like that would take forever. And uh, you know what I mean? But it's like just looking around the studio, I'm like, oh, yeah, like Chemical Brothers had like two of all these things on stage, and I don't know what any of them fucking do. Uh, so there's there's that it's a it's a really crazy presence. They also this is the first I think we've seen where someone has their own projections and screens and things on stage rather than having themselves put on the Megatron. They're all about their you know timed and sequenced projections, which right. you know I'm sure blew the minds of many a basic folk there. Um, right. Well. So, but now you're really seeing for the first time a
2: a very drastically different stage setup. And given the chaos of Woodstock and I guess the fact that they're having these pretty short changeovers, they were able to set all this stuff up seemingly
0: really timely and go on, you know. Well, I I think I mean, electronic acts like like, for instance, when I was in. Like a, a this like electro punk band and everything was electronic. We would have our own mixer and we would just give that mixer plug to the guy and we're basically like, no, we got it, you know. And I'm sure that Chemical Brothers, it, it was the same deal. Like that's like a well oiled right. machine of collapsible stands and stage setups right. and screens, and they're basically like a plug and play. You know what I mean? Right. That like and which is why they you don't, don't have sound to do shitty. A sound check. There's no yeah, they sound good. Yeah, there's no bad sound or like sound flubs like you see with literally every single band mm-hmm. that has like actual instruments. You know what I mean? No uh,
2: overzealous bass players. That's uh, been the biggest flub so far, but
0: yeah, the bass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they sound they sound good and they have they
2: have great uh 90s, like matrixy trippy, mollyed out projections <laughs> of silhouette people just
0: doing random stuff. (laughs) You're making it sound really good.
1: (laughs) My biggest problem with them is like, so they had all this stage pump and circumstance, but then they're just wearing like cargo shorts and a t-shirt, like (laughs) throw on something like all black and just like look kind of cool. At least. Yeah. (laughs) Like they look like just total dweebs.
2: But doesn't that just completely set the precedent for where (laughs) we are now with EDM DJs and stuff? Like, it's just like those guys just, they just kind of show up in whatever the fuck they're wearing and they um, have a, they have all the technical stuff around them. I mean, at one point, very early on, I remember like the one of the guys is just like smoking a cigarette. On yeah. Stage, just <laughs> well, of, like, no, just I haven't ch- known about that. Watching his drum machine, making sure it doesn't explode. OK,
0: I would never uh, condone the use of tobacco on, on my show. Uh, however, (laughs) however, I will say that there is nothing cooler you can do as an electronic music artist than smoke a cigarette on stage. Like, I don't know if you guys know about Sebastian. He's like this French DJ. He, he samples like bands like Metallica and Rage and like other stuff no. and makes like really crazy intense stuff. And he just dresses in all black. And he smokes like three packs of cigarettes while he plays. He used to put it on his flyer. It would say, come see Sebastian smoke two packs of cigarettes. Like it was, oh yeah, God. it's the coolest fucking thing ever, dude. <laughs> I don't know why. But yeah, dude, yeah. Cargo. They look like uh, two like British dads, like that there would be like a fake reality show about where are like, oh yeah, we're just in the basement making up from fucking techno mate and like their, their wives well, so like the, come come on you gotta to go to work yeah if you're gonna if you're gonna
2: smoke the cigs you need to wear all black
0: yeah that's
1: the difference yeah I wonder yeah. how many people like stopped and be like yo where the chemical brothers like no you're not you're just a uh, you're a stagehand like no we definitely are mate that's my impression that's like, a- oh your kids playing uh, yeah
0: No, Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. No, completely. But also they're behind all this shit. They could probably give a fuck uh, how they look, you know. Um, So one thing I'll say about the crowd, you know, again, you can't really see that much. Not as much as we usually do because it's so dark. But I did spot some sparklers as well as some road flares going on. Lots of really big pupils when it gets like when the cameras in people's faces and they're just like, yeah. Um, and there's tons and tons of nudity, but this is very positive nudity. And just like Mickey Hart, who played on the same stage right before, no gropes. Very pleased to see that. It seemed like it was a I mean, I'm sure, again, I mean, you know, no, on the no gropes on no gropes on camera. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah, it's again. And, you know, and we know that once the sun goes down, those crowds get really, really dangerous, uh, especially for the ladies. Yeah. Um, yeah,
1: there was one shot a cameraman had where he held on just, like, one girl dancing for, like, an uncomfortably long amount of time. Like, <laughs> it was, like, a solid 30 to 45 seconds where, like, her and her boyfriend just, like, kept dancing. And they're like, "You dude, just switch to somebody else. Like, they've yeah. had their... <laughs> Dog, that's... that's-
2: that's the <laughs> definition of a, of a buzzkill.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're staring directly into camera, too. It's like, I, I can't look at one singular thing for that long in general. Like, if I'm at a movie, I look away for at least a second. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, yes. You know,
0: completely. And also, it's a long fucking set. It's an hour and a half. These headlining sets are super long. You know what I mean? So this is like an hour and a half. And, and you know, the, the time that, that we're talking about with them is, you know... I, I believe they, they were playing from uh, I want to say like nine thirty to eleven. What what was was their slot time? Yeah. Uh, so you know it's late, but yeah, that's a, that's a super long fucking time. And then you know on the east stage the headliner is going to go a little bit longer than that. Um, I have a note here that says it seems like all of the hot people were at Chemical Brothers, but I retract that statement. I don't I don't believe that.
1: Not on the video I watched. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, one well, man's trash, you know.
1: Right. Well, here's
2: a, so Ryan. I don't know if. Do you were we going to talk about that little that little rave clip that I guess was edited together?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, when we get to the rave. Yeah, yes. Yeah. okay, we'll talk about it
2: because that definitely has some of. Possibly models hired, but if we'll can, we get to that later
0: then. Yeah, (laughs) pause. No, there was probably some good-looking fucking people there. There was 400,000 people there.
1: There was hot people there, (laughs) goddammit. Statistically speaking, (laughs) there has to be at least four.
0: Yes. (laughs) I don't even know the percentage of that it would be, but it's fucking hilarious. (laughs) Uh, Also, I, I have here the sweatiest audience that was positively hedonistic, and not positively as in, like, it absolutely was, but, I mean, it was very positive. It seemed like... You know, it's lots of smiling. It's lots of Positively.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Mate. I was impressed by their cardio. They all were jumping up and down from start to finish for 90 minutes straight. And I was like, that's, that's not easy to do. No. Oh, I tried doing it
0: for like 10 seconds, just like along with like one of the videos the other day, like when we covered Limp Bizkit, you know, that's another band that's just up and down the entire time, pogoing really, you know, if you want to get 77 punk with it. (laughs) Uh, But it's it's hard. Yeah. And I feel like you had to do that or else you would get totally fucked up by the crowd. You right. know what I mean? But
2: I, I do know a couple shortcuts and a couple ways how you can do that for 90 minutes. And it's really easy. OK. And uh, it's called ecstasy. Oh. <laughs> and time just flies by. <laughs> might Miracle really drug simple. might add but to the sweatiness there, as well. Yes. Oh, yes. 100%. But maybe I think that with Limp Biscuit, it's it's a pogo. But with Chemical Brothers, it's more it's like a bob. You're you're not your your highs and lows aren't you're kind of just up and down. It's not as
0: heavy. Yeah, you're right. It's not as heavy. It's a little more mellow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, along with all this gear, most of which I have no idea what the fuck any of it does. It's not a, it's not a DJ set. What they're doing either. They're not DJing. They're playing these songs live uh quote-unquote live, I, I want to say, because, again, you can't really tell what they're doing, but it seems like they're triggering the samples on their own. They're they're the ones doing the build-ups. Uh, Tom Rollins, he, he's, yeah, he smokes a cig at one point. I said very cool written here. Um, and then he, he plays the e-drums, too. Like, you see him with drumsticks banging on pads. So they are doing stuff, and there are stops in between uh, songs, and one of these stops in particular, uh, they have to make a safety announcement which they were probably told to by someone off stage. Um, And this is a very 90s thing considering that A couple years before, there was a Freedom for Tibet festival where a woman was struck by lightning in the crowd. Uh, It put her in the hospital, and she it kind of worked out in her favor though because she got like a giant get well card signed by every fucking one that played. So it was like Radiohead, Beastie Boys, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Pearl Jam, and then like they all came and visited her. So like you know, that's not so bad. But they do this weather warning that we're gonna listen to really quick.
1: storm is forecasted. If it arrives,
0: if lightning strikes, stay away from the trees, stay away
1: from the huge metal towers. Don't go by any metal objects. Try and keep your arms down. A night.
0: Yeah, no one wants to get hit by lightning at a concert right. ever again. But- I do think it's
2: funny the way this weather warning is, because so the so Chemical Brothers, they don't they themselves do almost no talking to the microphone, but their songs will often have vocals in it Um, as a lot of, you know, electronic music will. It'll they are triggering these pre-recorded choruses or looped vocals, so. I think it's funny because the weather warning. I mean, it kind of sounds like the start of a song. <laughs> like everyone's like, but, "Yeah, put your fucking hands up." <laughs> yeah, but then there's that part where they, there you go, put your
0: hands down by your side. <laughs> just, Dude, but that's like cool the most though. Unrave thing to do. <laughs> no, it, 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 put your hands by your side. Yeah, it, it could be, <laughs> yeah. It, it could very well be a song. Um, oh, they also focus on because there's a lot of people with glow sticks. But as we know, some of the Ace Hardware trucks were looted earlier in the day and the night before, and, like, one of the things that they stole shit tons of was glow sticks, and there's footage of people throwing hundreds of glow sticks up in the air at the same time, so, like, everyone was probably super bummed that there was none left for Chemical Brothers or the Rave, so there's a guy doing the glow stick, like, light show dance without anything in his hands, and it's, uh...
1: So, yeah. I, re- I remember in 1999, I went to a local Ace Hardware to get glow sticks, and they were probably <laughs> all being hoarded by Woodstock. There was such a demand for them at the time, so that's why... In 1999. Yeah, it was was Hmm. a
0: little, it would have been a little harder. It probably would have also been harder to get, uh, let's see, cheap condoms. That is another thing they (laughs) stole. And they also stole gum. Uh, (laughs) And they haven't, the Ace
2: Hardware hasn't restocked on glow sticks since.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, glow sticks actually don't exist. What we have now are LED uh, infused uh, pipes. Um, So Rob Sheffield, who wrote for Rolling Stone, he did the on the grounds coverage for the Rolling Stone, uh, you know, cover like, official coverage for their magazine then uh jenny lsq mentioned him he describes the chemical Brothers set as being truly peace and love but also with a little bit of mud and uh and sweat and grime but overall being a really great time so that is where we're going to leave chemical brothers i had one question
1: about the chemical brothers set Um, yes please so was it security that was dancing in the front of the stage? Oh, yeah. yeah oh, the pe- the Peace yes.
2: Patrol was The Peace Patrol was having a really good time.
1: Yeah, because I was like, are these hype guys? or No, they- but they do
0: that for the acts that they like. Like, when Ice Cube played, you should have seen it. It was like, yeah, it's like they were in the band. But uh, yeah, there's like a really clear shot of a dude standing on the gate a Peace Patrol, getting everyone amped and pumping his fist. And on his Peace Patrol shirt, which he's made into a cutoff now, extremely professional. <laughs> uh, there's autographs from like tons of people that played, which I love that. And I would love to fucking get one of those. I'm trying to create my own now with that Woodstock 99 shirt that I've had Guster sign and Corn sign. Um, maybe one day I'll fill it up like that guy did. Yeah, no, the Peace Patrol are like the shittiest security guards of all time. It's 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 insane. It,
1: it, it seems like they didn't have much to do for Chemical Brothers other than sit there and just dance to it, you know. Where the other yeah. like Metallica, they were very busy. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah.
0: yeah. Well, that stage just didn't stop. Uh, the I mean, for I mean, again, it's because yeah. Uh, the the next set is Metallica. That is the headliner of day two. On the East stage, the money stage, as we as we've been calling it, uh, at about eleven fifteen to twelve forty five is their set time. Again, that these are these are loose, but that's about where it's where it's at. And yeah, that stage has just not had a break since Alanis Morissette. Uh, it, it was limp, and then Rage, and now it's Metallica, the premier yeah. metal band of the world, the Beatles of fucking metal, basically. <laughs> yeah,
2: well, they used to call when you do that back to back on the they call it the rock block. <laughs> oh God, it's the non-stop i would listen you know, they say we got a we got a rock block coming up and you're like all right
1: here we got metallica I'm, I'm ac here. dc and zeppelin yeah gotta get block. my knee pads and my Be helmet and get out there yeah. on the bike
0: yeah all metallica. right so parks yeah metallica hit me um well,
2: okay, I'm not going to go... They're not a legend band, and I'm not going to go into just the whole...
0: Okay, they deal. are a everyone, they are legendary band, but they're no, not a legend of Woodstock it's 99. It's not a legendary
2: Woodstock right. set. Yeah, I mean, everyone knows a lot about Metallica. Um, the I'll cover a couple points. This is 90s Talica, and there's <laughs> 80s Talica, and then there's 2000s. There's, there's three pretty distinct periods of them. The 90s is marked, obviously, by their transition from these thrash metal gods into a much more mainstream sound, which in part was just kind of related to the death of their bassist Cliff Burton. And they replaced him with Jason Newstead. And at the same time, they kind of slowed down their music for the album, the black album, which has probably their biggest song. I would say enter Sandman. Yeah. Um, it's, that's just
0: a no brainer. Yeah.
2: Right. And so kind of slowing it and they, and they, the 90s was honestly a very experimental period for them. They started getting even more bluesy and met like ex- just getting messing with slower stuff. And so I think what that did is it kind of took them away from... Because metal is traditionally... There's been a huge element of it is just how fast the musicians are playing and slowing it down and adding these bluesy elements it what they did is like it's like they really kind of started pioneering the genre the that quote unquote genre hard rock whatever the fuck <laughs> that means but like like if you listen to especially the middle period load and reload the, that those albums definitely sound like hard rock but also in that time they they kind of got haircuts they did this thing where they all wore eyeliner for a minute um they Then they, at the later period, they made this album that I actually kind of really like called Garage Inc. Where they cover, it's a two disc album of all these covers, and so you you hear some of these covers that they're playing. I think the cover album would be pretty cool if you were, you know, a thirteen year old who was getting into Metallica, and then it would seem like a pretty sweet gateway into a bunch of older awesome music.
0: When did Lulu happen? Lulu with Lou Reed.
2: That's the two thousands. Have you ever heard
1: that? No, I would refuse to listen to that.
2: Oh my God. It is fucking crazy.
0: It's like, have you ever been Lulu? Okay. And this has nothing to do with 99, but I need to say it. So yeah, Lulu Metallica and Lou Reed. It was a, it was like a score basically written for a musical that Lou Reed was working on is what I believe. And it sounds like, have you ever been to a, like a punk show when they let like the crazy homeless person in from outside that hangs out and asks people for money. And like, they somehow get on the mic and, like, some band from out of town that doesn't know how annoying, like, this, like, person actually is, is like, oh, this is funny, let's have him sing with us. And it's just like, I'm out here and there's butterfly wings in my brain. Like, that's what Lulu sounds like. It sounds like a band let a crazy guy come up on stage and just talk. It, it's, yeah, uh, it's, it's rough. It's unfortunately,
2: it was Lou Reed's last album before he passed. <laughs> um, uh, there is footage of them performing it. And that is a little more engagingly terrible because that might be a
0: Patreon. We might have to do a, a special Patreon <laughs> reaction video to, to right. Lulu because uh, you, in that you have,
2: that. you have Metallica doing their thing. They're all looking all tough and just playing. Cause the music is still pretty technically challenging. And then you have Lou Reed in it just doing his thing. Like you said, <laughs> you're like homeless analogy. And then you have this audience. I feel like it's in Europe somewhere and the audience is absolutely loving every minute of it yeah pretentious it's, dumbasses yeah it's pretentious <laughs> with, i do feel like yeah that's the only way you could enjoy it whatsoever so um, i'm reading that david bowie claimed lulu was among lou reed's best work
0: uh, I don't disagree. Uh so okay get, get, getting back to to the matter at hand. So yeah, right. and also another thing that was going on with Metallica right at this time was was the rise of Napster. Like in 2000 and 2001, they would take up kind of this this anti-downloading tirade. Uh, and for good reason, you know what I mean? They came off really negatively and it got them a lot of bad press. It seemed like Lars was, you know, like poor little rich guy crying about losing money, but really what they were doing was that they were standing up for future bands and bands that were going to grow up in a time where you couldn't sell albums. And that, they were envisioning this like post-apocalyptic music world where you know every like there's all these trolls just stealing right out of their pockets with their computers, and that's right. basically exactly what happened.
1: Yeah, he was proven right. right. Yeah,
0: yes. you know, and, but, and he was, and he took up the good fight, but he got a really yes. bad rap for it. And also, that was like right when they all cut all their hair off. And for some reason, the metal guys like you think that hair wouldn't be something metal dudes would give a shit about, but they were like truly upset. The long hair was a big deal.
2: Well actually I do I do want to say though so the but the Napster thing really started in the 2000s. So this is kind of this is right before it because the Napster thing really marks that third phase of Metallica's how they were viewed by the public. So what's kind of I I wish that the Napster did happen right before Woodstock so that we could kind of play it in, but the thing you can say is that this is kind of the This is right before Napster. So I feel like at this point, they are just at a true peak of mainstream hard rock popularity in which something like Napster has not yet come to tarnish them. Yes, they had cut their hair. So, (laughs) you know, the metalheads, the metalheads had definitely denounced them a long time ago, but they were so, so popular in just mainstream to a point where, like, obviously, the Napster affected their even their new newer fans. But at this point, right. they were just the yeah, like you said, like the metal. And I'm sure chemicals. most,
0: most like young fans during the Napster thing saw Metallica on MTV talking about Napster. Like, Who's Metallica? I better Napster one of their songs. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, that was the irony is that I that's how
2: I discovered Napster I'm Metallica. I'm fucking reporting you, would, dude. Wow. I, I'm Napster. gonna report wow. you. Oh, wow.
1: here we go. Right. Well, and it was actually
2: their song, I Disappear. Which little trivia was on it, it, Lars discovered that I Disappear had been leaked via Napster when the song wasn't ready for release. That song was on the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack, which has, I think, Lynn five or six different Woodstock 99 alums. It's got Buck Cherry on it.
1: Oh, that's a sick soundtrack.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, soundtrack impossible. Uh God Smack to listen is to.
1: On <laughs> it. Oh, got him. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so th- they yeah, also this played. This is all
2: before that. This yeah. is all before yeah, yeah, yeah. the yeah. shit storm. So they're just seen, but they're it's it is kind of almost like they're the they're the kings, kind of the bloated kings of like we've they've been sitting on the throne unchallenged for too long
0: exactly and i have written here there's a note uh they are actual metal gods like when you see that and like the power like and to every t like the power stances the guitars that they use uh they played woodstock 94 which honestly and we're not gonna Spend a lot of time on it. It's a much better show. They have Pyro Hetfield, the singer James Hetfield has a huge mullet, which is fucking killer. He's basically he has wearing an this, amazing mullet. Yeah, Lars, the drummer, huge long hair, fucking crazy. The bassist though has short hair, and I didn't know why. I was like, why was he the only one? Turns out he had a mushroom chart. He got caught with possession of mushrooms, and uh, he had to go to court, so he cut his hair for that, and that's why he was the first <laughs> of the group uh... to have to have the haircut. Was because he had to look uh, nice. Well more. there
2: there you go, Ryan. That that's why that's why the metalheads hate the short hair. You see, you go from a drug arrest to court and then everyone in the band
1: has short hair and you're not metal <laughs> anymore. You've you given a slippery in. slope. Yeah. Very slippery slope. In yeah. Woodstock 94 is James Hetfield angrier when he sings cuz he seemed way too happy throughout this oh, entire set. Oh, he is set. pissed in 94. Yeah, he, he is he's right. 99. He's he's a he's a delight because he's smiling. <laughs> he's he's more he's more crooning than he is screaming the entire time. Yeah. Right. Well,
2: that that you bring up a very good point there. Um this period the late 90s was referred to by fans they, they were called alcoholica because Hetfield <laughs> this was this was in the height of Hetfield's cool. You, you, alcohol. cool dude, another great band name, <laughs> yeah, um, so that was another element to it, but at this point, it was only kind of fan trivia lore, it wasn't the the one two punch of Napster and then the amazing documentary, some kind of monster. those two things really damaged their image, and it, it was in the documentary some kind of monster that it was revealed that he was a big alcoholic going to rehab and all that stuff. So at this point, it's yeah, he's
0: just partying. He's just stoked on all the free bud, the free and Budweiser is what I mean. The <laughs> That's why he seems so happy in 99. So, okay, let's get into it. Uh, Well, also, real quick, I just want to say Metallica, yes, we're going to rip on them a little bit. They're a band that has changed millions of people's lives. People have grown up with their music. They're a generational band now where there are grandfathers that listen to Metallica with their grandkids. Uh, They've been around long enough for that to be a thing that I'm sure is true. Um, So, you know. Let's let's get Absolutely. into it. They have a very yeah. minimal stage setup. Uh, their Their outfits are, you know, I'm gonna say headfield's up for best dressed. He just has like this classic look. He's got the cool boots. He's got the shirt. He's got the the sweatband gauntlets. Uh, they, they they look solid, but no bells and whistles at all. Like in 94 they had pyro and, and, and shit like that. Here it is so stripped down and it's just four dudes. Uh, my girlfriend described it as, this is just four guys on stage screaming at you.
1: Do you think that was a reaction <laughs> to what had happened earlier in the day? Um, That maybe the stage production said like, we have to cut this yes. massive pyro stuff?
0: I, I would say that that's probably there's something to that because like when Rage Against the Machine played, they had them their levels turned down a little bit because everyone was so fucking amped that they almost wanted to cancel the rest of the show after Limp Bizkit at least on that stage because it was just it, it was too heated it was too crazy so Rage you know and they didn't Rage Against the Machine they didn't say anything in between any of their songs and Metallica really doesn't either until kind of towards the end of their set and there's interviews about that um we'll actually like we'll, we'll go ahead and, and and play this clip right now this is um from Much Music they interviewed James Hetfield about playing and if he was worried after seeing how crazy the crowd was getting after Limp Bizkit.
1: Dur- Limp Biscuit. They started uh, tearing up the scaffolding and they're getting ready for you guys. Well, okay, so they're tearing down the stage so we have to play on the ground. Is that it? Well, no, I think this is all a preparation for Metallo, a kind of a warm up thing. Uh, how do you feel about that? Do you think you're going to be able to control the crowd?
2: Absolutely. You know, we, for uh, two years, we had, well, it wasn't two years, but maybe a year, we had a. Uh, uh, the stage collapsed and
0: towers fell and all that crazy stuff. So we're used to that, you know, destruction and we, we welcome that sometimes. I mean, they knew, yeah. you know what I mean. So so, but they Metallica has been around a lot longer than a lot of these bands, and they're a fucking they've been a heavy band for a lot longer than a lot of these bands. So they kind of know not to fuck around when things are that, you know. If you say let's fuck everything up, kill the security guards, <laughs> people are actually going to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean humans are cheap. so maybe his maybe
2: his happy demeanor was. A, a much deeper <laughs> ploy into trying all right, guys to- put on your <laughs> smiles yeah. everybody we're gonna work through this together
0: yeah I- I- exactly and uh you know th- i'll say this like all the guitar choices between their guitarist uh kurt hammett and and then james hetfield they have the guitar taste of a 13 year old boy uh, right. Kurt's got, first of all, Hetfield plays a flying V with green flames on it. At one point, he's got a wood grain, like crazy metal shaped guitar. He's, he's got this one that has like the pattern of rivets, like the, you know, like the little thing you, yeah like put it's on metal, top of your truck.
2: Yeah. But it's yeah,
0: not. it's, it's, it's metal uh, for sure. And then Kurt's got, he's got fucking uh, a guitar. That's like Boris Karloff as the mummy, like, like the movie poster yeah. for the mummy. I was trying it's, to figure out what a, that it, was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, a, and, and, it's a movie poster. Yeah. And and it's we thought I was like, oh, but look, there's a signature on it. It's like actually autographed by Boris Karloff. And Parks is like, no, he was seven when Boris Karlov died. There's <laughs> right. no way he was like standing in line at a convention with his guitar. Like, dude, will you sign this? Uh yeah. so he so just bought, actually, like this fucking well, Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I so I, I was
2: just I was digging because this is one of those bands that's so freaking humongous that there is a ton of, so you can just Google, you can just freaking search like Kurt Hammett <laughs> mummy <laughs> Boris Karloff guitar and then you will just find all these articles about him and how he collects movie posters and oh, the, that was the, the other That is one. so fucking lame. Yeah. Right. You know, it's so lame, but then there was the other one that seems tame in comparison is that the Ouija board. Just ha- Oh, there's well, there's the Ouija board. Okay, there's the Ouija board guitar. I saw that and I was like, "That is." And he played that difference.
1: in
0: '94 too. Like he he
2: fucking yeah.
1: uses these things, yeah, which right. he also collects but Ouija then- boards. I was like, <laughs> "Enough."
2: No, but I, no, I, I didn't I didn't I didn't search the Carl off. Well, I did search that one, but the one then he has that third guitar, and the only thing I could see from it is it seemed more tame, but it had a 13 sticker on it. Yeah, so like I you would search, put it on your car. Yeah, right. So I search Kirk Hammett 13 sticker guitar. And then immediately there's a shopping result that has the exact <laughs> same sticker pack. So you can get it was a 13, this scary looking spider and a devil that definitely looked like the devil was like a daddy into bowling who is smoking a <laughs> cigarette. And it's just those three stickers and you can actually just buy the exact same stickers
0: in a set to make your own guitar. Yeah, to right, build that's your how own.
2: big of a band they are.
0: You can buy, yeah, here's the shitty sticker pack, yeah. Yeah, that, that that's amazing. And then, okay, and then the drum set is, you know, Lars Ulrich is one of the most legendary drummers of all time, mostly because he's always in the spotlight. You know, he does a lot of interviews for Metallica, speaks for the band that's very rare, so he's, like, one of those rare cases where, like, the, the drummer is really popular. And he has this massive fucking drum set, and he's such a little dude, and he's wearing such little shorts that... <laughs> that he like i don't know if you guys uh get into really nasty porn but there's like this uh, like, yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but but there's like this subgenre where like they get the biggest women they can find like 6 foot fucking 6 like amazonian and then they get like horse jockeys to have sex with them, and so like it's just like a tiny little man like climbing up this giant woman, and that's what Lars Ulrich looks like behind this drum set because he stands up a lot and like he like throws his body into each hit and really goes like full force, full body into this kid. I'm like, you're like a tiny man crawling all over a large woman. <laughs> what you look like. That's a, I mean,
2: that's a great way to describe his drumming. I think I think he, I think he <laughs> might be up for best dress.
0: There's just those those tiny, those tiny little, little shorts. Shirts.
2: That's all it is, yeah, it's simple,
0: yeah. that well, and <laughs> one last note, uh, before like because we're again, this set, like the songs kind of just bleed into each other. There's not a whole lot to talk about here. Uh, as as far as the way it looks. like Even in the crowd, like you see lots of people getting crowd surfed to safety. When we interviewed our survivor, Tony B, he told us that he had been crowd surfed to safety during Rage and heard Metallica off to the side and that it was the loudest show he'd ever been to. But then we had that uh, that email from the survivor, Chris, who told us that during Metallica, he managed to crowd surf the entire set and went from one end of the stage all the way to the other, almost like a crane camera view. So there's lots of that going on because that was the only way to get out, was to get crowd surf to the medics uh, up at right. the front and that's why the peace patrol is so overwhelmed and they have the lights off on the crowd so not a whole lot there um but I do have this note that says Metallica is the kind of music that would be... First of all, that is okay for grown men to cry to. Like, some of their ballads, like, Nothing Else Matters, and that one about being on the road and you smoke well, the well, day's that's the, that's last the, cigarette. That's the, Bob,
2: that's the Bob Seger cover from Garage Inc. There, yeah. There's a, quite a few covers. I Well, they open like with a cover
1: one. of an anti lyric song. Yeah, which yeah. Was, yeah. Uh, cause uh, I, so
2: what? That That's on the um, album, too. They do Die, Die, My Darling by Misfits, which is also on
0: the album. So little nerdy thing i think it's i think that's kind of cool no it's definitely good yeah it's music that grown men can cry to some of some of their deeper cuts and then also (laughs) I, i have that that it's the kind of music that would be played at the funeral for like a 16 year old boy that died in a dirt bike accident like, where the mom was just like, man, he just go up to his room and put on his Metallica CDs. Actually, this is his Metallica shirt. He wore it all the time, and we're going to the concert, and I got a big sign that said, Jason loves Metallica, just for him. Like, that's the kind of band Metallica is to me. It's like it's like this heavy fucking metal band that touches people's lives, like, right. where people cry when they see them.
1: Well, and that's the one thing, like, Jason Newstead would call that out. It wouldn't be James that calls it out. It'd be like, we heard tonight. <laughs> <laughs> there's a mother who just lost her son, Jason, in a dirt bike accident. <laughs> this one okay, goes out I, to you.
0: <laughs> so what? Crazy. Yeah. This is
2: crazy, though, because I was getting deep into some weird web Metallica trivia stuff. And so actually before that, the road, the road song, um, the Seeger song, uh, Turn Turn the Page was called. Uh, he says, uh, Hetfield says that he dedicates this songs for Amanda. So I was just like, okay, what's up who's with Amanda? Amanda? Yeah, who's Amanda? So Amanda Smith was the daughter of Tony Smith, who was this road manager, but he was also a president at one point of the Metallica Club. And I found this on this like insane Metallica trivia page where they were like, they had all these ridiculous trivia questions and how many points each answer was worth. And then they had a leaderboard, but like all this. Shit on this. Anything website with was the like word frozen. board in
0: it on the internet is deep shit.
1: <laughs> right.
2: Because all of it was frozen at like 2007. Like it didn't reference, <laughs> there, was, there was no references to the band like past that. But oh, well, apparently here's a they don't do a lot of tributes to people. So Tony Smith obviously was a great president of the Metallica fan club. And I'm sorry to Amanda. It doesn't say how she died, but. Ah, well. She did. Uh, (laughs) Dirt bike accident. Well, so speaking of, yeah,
0: yeah, speaking of motorbike, yeah, exactly. Uh, Speaking of uh, death, Hetfield uh, was actually just in the new Ted Bundy movie that has this, like, awful long title that is terrible, and the movie was terrible and irresponsibly made. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no no violence in a serial killer movie. Sorry, that's why fucking people think they're hot and, like, think they're cool. Um, So the only time when they do talk on stage is... Pretty much like, yeah, when he mentions Amanda and then kind of towards the encores. But he also uh, asks if everyone feels alive.
2: Are you alive? Tell me, Woodstock, how does it feel to be alive, motherfucker?
0: I sure feel alive at, at Woodstock 99. But I'm sure when anyone like at nighttime on the main stage asks the crowd anything they're not responding like yeah or like "woo." they're like help fucking help water
1: help what what time did the music start during the day like when does when did the first noon oh my goodness
0: (laughs) yeah noon and i mean we, we have this poster uh Uh, right, right behind you, Bill, actually, where it's, it's, that's the look of the, that's the lay of the land and it it was on an air force base. So everyone's on concrete. There's no shade or anything. And, uh, it's just fucking, it's like when you would go to like warp tour in like 2002 and it would just be in a parking lot. Oh
1: yeah. The heat from that is just the worst. Uh, man. Yeah. And and it's tarmac.
0: So like it would have that smell that comes up like at the state fair. Oh, it's just, it's just fucking God awful. Uh, but you know, they, they still seem to be stoked. Uh, they, they play, uh, the, you know, one of their songs, he changes the lyrics to, to Woodstock, uh, uh you know, at one point, like, and then I'm fucking Woodstock. Like, like they, <laughs> uh, we've seen uh, a couple other bands do that, like, especially the rappers. Um, right. and, and then, uh, Hetfield, he, he breaks a string pretty noticeably, like before they leave to come back for their encores. And they play like a, a, several encore songs for sure. Three encores. Yeah, and that's where they play, like, the real big hits. Um, But there are some very epic Metallica moments during the set, you know, regardless. Like, when they play Nothing Else Matters and there's just, like, a spotlight, like, beaming down on them. And, you know, like, some of the guitar interludes on some of the songs are really, really fucking epic. And and the wind is, like, a major key in how good it looks sometimes. Right. Um, Well, it starts, there is a shot and
2: it's raining on Hetfield. And you can see the rain visibly, and he's rocking out and all that stuff, and it it looks v- really epic for a second.
0: Yeah, because they're fucking epic, because they're Metallica, right, yeah, bro? But it's yeah, just,
2: it, it's just it's definitely I've watched videos of them. It's uh, it's definitely not a go to if you were to be showing someone. Oh, you gotta no check show out, them Wyclef like yeah. live.
0: No, if they're you're gonna definitely... show someone Dog '99, you're gonna show them Kid Rock, Limbiz, get our Wyclef Jean. Right. So, and if you're going to show them Metallica, it's something else.
1: You know? Wyclef failed at lighting the guitar on fire, it looked like. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's that, good. Uh, yeah. Very well done on your tribute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right.
2: I actually did find a quote from like an article in 99 right after the event where Wyclef said, it was wild, it was awesome. So still convinced <laughs> that
0: Wyclef loved his set, which makes me love oh, his oh, set. Oh, dude. I fucking, uh, thanks to you listeners out there and and you fans, uh, some of, some people that follow us fucking tracked down Diana from the Wyclef Jean set. The That's, the infamous yeah. woman who was brought on stage during the last song to sing Janis Joplin, who then makes the entire band stop to tell the audience that they fucked up and that the thing was fucked up and that they don't know fucking Janis Joplin and, like, embarrasses the <laughs> shit out of this fucking act that was nice enough to bring this nobody on stage. They found her. Uh, I'm going to blow her spot up. Her name's Diana Cohen. I hit her up. She didn't get back to me. Diana, we want to talk to you. I know that you're an upcoming singer. Still upcoming. Uh... <laughs> And I know you got kids and stuff like they'd probably be stoked to hear you on uh, on a show. Absolutely. Anyways, I
2: mean, yeah, there's been a couple people who have messaged us um, just that they were there. And uh, we just recently saw that the wife of someone who, you know, we won't say names unless they want to be a part of it. But he was on stage as a road crew during Limp Bizkit. So hopefully we can figure out some way to get these people's stories. But we really appreciate that you're even just sending us messages Giving us little tidbits like that, we we really appreciate all of that.
0: Yeah, totally. I'd like to thank one guy in particular. Uh, I'm not going to say his full name, but Nathan. I love that you like all of our shit. I love when you comment on shit. Uh, I'm glad you're having a good time, buddy. <laughs> you, you've been you've been with us for a while. All right. Um, so okay. The, got, the, the,
2: what else do you got
0: about about this uh, about this? Okay, so so we got the encores. I know that and again you know the encores that's when they play enter Sandman and shit and this crowd has fucking had it dude like you're not seeing the jumping up and down that you see during Limp Bizkit or Rage everyone is fucking pooped and it's late and it's day two and things are ripped apart (laughs) but it's Metallica so you're just kind of like hanging around but it is kind of like from the crowd standpoint seems really fucking boring I mean the band killed it because they're fucking Metallica you know what I mean but 94 whole different fucking ball game but I know that Parks found a a, he he was going he likes to go through the the youtube comments on these sets i want to try and add this
2: more i've forgotten the last couple of times but just some of these comments are so gold uh so there was there was a guy um named howard stern it wasn't the real howard stern but uh his comment you mean howard
0: stern the media mogul isn't (laughs) commenting on woodstock 99 videos shocking yeah and who knows maybe his
2: name is Howard Stern and he'll get drunk at a bar maybe it's Howard K Stern the Anna Nicole Smith lawyer Ooh, maybe who we're also um, obsessed with yeah but his so his quote was this has enough metal to rebuild the Titanic <laughs> <laughs> oh, right.
0: um, but
2: I the one he's that not I, wrong well okay so one I'll do two more one was that guitar guy his comment was they killed Woodstock Metallica Korn and many other greats all in one no better way to end the century. Which I was like, damn, you're right. That was the end of the century. Very, very True. Epic.
0: Uh, yeah. End the fucking
2: millennium, bro.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. You should have
2: done millennium. Um, but here's my last. This is my favorite. So, you know that meme that's not a cell phone in sight, just people living in the moment. Right. Yeah. So everyone's. So I found a comment that was an honest to God version of this meme. That's why I love these comments is because there's a lot of times these people being super duper sincere. This uh, YouTuber's name was Antoine. And his comment was no phones in sight, just people bouncing. Beautiful. I was just <laughs> like, damn, like that's
0: actually he's he's legitimately saying that it's not it's not a joke it's a deconstructed meme it's just the text it's like artisan <laughs> yeah. style it's like it would cost you extra and it would be served on like a cutting board all right so so the the last thing uh, about metallica real quick is their MTV interview um, You know, the Much Music interview, I feel like they split up. Like, they're like, okay, you guys are going to do this press, we'll do this press. So the MTV interview is the guitarist and the drummer, Uh, you know, Lars, who's basically, for better or worse, kind of like the spokesperson of the band, really. Uh, he's always been very uh upfront and instrumental in all their interviews. And the, the, they're being interviewed by Kennedy, the MTV VJ, who is notorious for her quirky humor and, like, her Lisa Loeb esque kind of look. And like, and I, she
1: turned right wing, right? Oh, like, did she? I'm pretty sure she's, like, a right wing punk. At this point, that could be wrong, but I don't want to. Yeah, could anything. have just ruined her life. <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm almost positive that Kennedy is like a right wing pundit at this point. Wow. Well, fuck. Anyway, oh, you're right. <laughs> so, yeah,
0: you're right. She's uh she's a uh, on on Fox Business Network. Oh wow, Kennedy, how 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 the how the mighty have fallen. Uh, all right, so she she interviews them and they say a couple of things that we're just gonna play back to back real quick here, and the the most important being. This ominous, like next Woodstock announcement, and then also uh, the money comment that we kind of alluded to earlier, where Lars mentions how much money they got paid in kind of a tongue-in-cheek manner.
1: No, it has the fact that <laughs> it's not in the water. The water isn't spiked. They're hoarding canned food at home, and this is just they're away from the <laughs> cellar for the a only couple days. The one thing I would like to take this opportunity to say is that um, I just spoke to John Shear, the promoter. Yes. Backstage, mm-hmm. as I'm supposed to say, yes. and uh, we are the Name first dropper. band officially confirmed for Woodstock 2004. You're kidding me! Oh. Is that true? Yeah. Excellent. Now speaking. Th- th- now of- that's a scoop because I yeah. didn't even know about uh. that. So just to stir up even more shit this time, we're getting paid more money than any other artist here. I'm I'm um, <laughs> doing this for free. I thought that this was a Red Cross benefit, and no, all Harumph. right. So <laughs> give the governor a yeah. rump. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a rump out of that guy. All right. So.
0: so yeah, I believe that Metallica got paid more than anyone. They definitely got paid more than the Chili Peppers, even though the Chili Peppers were the actual headliner. Um, and, you know, they probably deserved it, whatever. Uh, well, you yeah.
1: can see why Lars is so charming. He's very funny in that interview. <laughs> uh, I, right. mean, well,
2: I feel like all the Napster stuff, then it's like if maybe fans were overlooking this just incredibly braggadocious personality, Then after the Napster, it's just, man, this dude is just bragging about how much money he's making.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, he then. I mean, we we cut it before, you know, because we like to take people out of context and uh, make them seem like villains. But uh, what he says, he's like, because you know, we got paid five dollars and everyone else got four fifty. It's like, yeah, no, I'm sure that those numbers are like huge. That's, that's <laughs> his know? damage
2: control of like, oh, I just let it yeah. slip that I'm. But also, canceled. I love
0: that that they were like, yeah, we're gonna do another Woodstock in 2004. Like these fucking dudes pulled their own wool over their eyes. Like they thought their fucking shitty festival was going so well that they had. Like, been asking top building bands to play the next one without it even being over. And boy, yeah. was the egg on their face uh, <laughs> I mean, after the next the only, day. That's the
2: only, only the second reference I found to even a potential Woodstock 2004. So, it, right. That's yeah. A I never even heard of that.
0: All right, so we're leaving the east stage now. Both the major stages are shut down, but as we know, in one of the hangars, which during the day is the emerging artist stage, at nighttime becomes the Rave, the most mysterious and probably darkest corner of Woodstock 99. It goes from midnight until 5 a.m. every fucking day of the festival, except the last day, but we'll get into that once we get there. Uh, Tonight's headliner, and it is hard to find stuff. I mean, whether it be footage or whether it be... Uh, I mean, just like a lineup of who played because, you know, one guy wasn't playing that entire set, but they did play uh, three to four hour sets each. Uh, and the headliner was Fatboy Slim, another huge, huge, big beat artist came from, you know, kind of the same world as Chemical Brothers. Um, when we interviewed Jenny Lescu she mentioned that she had to bring her uh, her boss as well as some of the other writers to the rave because they opted out of watching Limp Bizkit rage and Metallica in order to save up their energy to go party at the rave all night, which is hilarious. So Fatboy Slim, really quick, he was born Norman Cook. Uh, he was in you know a couple bands and, and other DJ collectives like the Beats International and Freak Power, but he found his greatest success as a DJ. Uh, he's hugely influential, you know, Grammy Award winning, fucking number one hits, major, 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 major success, huge duty, still one of the world's premier DJs. I saw him perform once uh, at Coachella years back and he headlined the Rave Tent, which was massive. And he fucking did a vinyl-to-vinyl DJ set. It was, like, unheard of there. You know what I mean? Like, I literally heard people in the crowd say, like, where's his computer? Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? It was crazy, and it was, like, really inspiring, but he's one of the best. And he also gave one of the best uh, awkward MTV interviews ever where there's one specific clip we felt was uh, Podcast 99 worthy to play.
2: When I went to see you uh, last time in Boston it really struck me that, like no other dude, you make everybody horny as hell. Horny? You know? Horny. like well, in, in Women you. and men alike, I was crazy horny and I, I couldn't, think, you know, what? In, you know and how years, do you do that? In all my years, no one has ever said that to me before. I thought I, you were going to say you make people smile and dance and that, no one's ever said that I made them horny. Come Talk on, from you, a girlfriend. you
1: know it's true.
2: And even then, I think she's lying. No, no the, I don't, know. I really The funny. people come up on stage... Do I look horny? I mean, really.
1: Do I, the people come up on stage and they're practically rubbing around you. I must the, actually there's something about it. Americans that I, I get I get to see a lot of breasts when I'm on tour. Well, Americans Women are
2: cut.
0: repressed. And yeah. Any chance no, they No, they're not get. repressed at all. Any chance they get they, though? They get them they whap them out as soon excuse as you they look, Yeah. Whap them out. Horny. Just horny. hearing another British guy say like I make you horny. Like in 1999 it was an yeah. epidemic, dude. <laughs> like, yeah, but also just well, the word horny is so fucking 90s. Like nowadays I feel like people are really like, like, I don't know, horny. Like, do we get horny anymore? No, it's thirsty. You say thirsty. You yeah, you say horny. thirsty. Yeah we, <laughs> yeah. we PC'd it up. Um, yeah. <laughs> but
2: a little bit of trivia. So that guy interviewing him, Bradley J, they're discussing about how he's saying, Oh, thanks for putting me on your on your album. And that album that had Rockefeller Skank and Praise You, his two big Fat Boy Slim's two biggest hits, there's that little clip, which is also a very 90s thing that just have the radio skit where you record the DJ and you're like someone calls up and they're like, Hey, I want to hear some Fat Boy Slim. And so that's Bradley J the guy interviewing. Him. Uh, okay. He's actually on his album. So maybe he felt a little more comfortable.
0: Yeah. He seems pretty chill with him. It. Yeah. He, yeah. He, it's not like the Los Lobos thing where the guy's just fucking bombing the entire time. Right, um. Right. So, you know, again, not much is known about the raves in, in general. There is some footage on the official Woodstock 99 VHS DVD release, um, which they kind of present as being the chemical brothers crowd, but it's not, it is the rave and it's the most nudity, the most attractive people that you see in any of the footage. Uh, And it's fucking complete debauchery. There's, people huffing NOS balloons, there's people having orgies, there's people fucking having sex on the ground. Uh, yeah, we, that we, shot's
2: we, real uncomfortable. It's
0: crazy. It's and you can see weird. the sun coming up is the best part. Yeah. And, and then, uh, you know, in like Spin, they mentioned that there was, you know, groups of people having sex in the and there was sex going on in the DJ booth and there was a naked woman pouring orange juice on herself. And then, this is the biggest thing that happened at the rave the entire festival, a guy trying to bring a half pipe into the extreme sports park like somehow got lost and drove his truck into the hangar thinking like, Oh, well, I must be bringing it into this hangar amongst all these thousands of people dancing to techno music. I better drive this fucking truck in here and people, no one got hurt, but people climbed the truck and then it couldn't back out. So it had to be like kind of towed out. And it was just a huge fucking mess. Uh, Cause they had to get a fucking half pipe in there for Sunday. <laughs> like they had to get they the half to. pipe. <laughs> yeah. They had to make so it the, more
1: extreme. Yeah what's, yeah, what's Woodstock without a half-pipe? Exactly.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, everything in the 90s was extreme. Yeah. You know, I just I just what's watched this great. in
2: 1999 without a half-pipe?
0: Exactly. And I just watched this great documentary called Porn Demic. And uh, and it's about this big, you know, awful outbreak of HIV in the porn industry in the late 90s. And they're talking about how everything in the 90s became more extreme, like extreme sports. Mountain Dew was the extreme drink. And that like trickled down to all points of society, including pornography. And that's when you start seeing bad things happen. Um, but Jenny uh, LSQ from Rolling Stone, I mean, I'm just still so stoked that we got to talk to her, but she tells the story that one of the writers she was with kept calling his wife on like an old style, you know, cell phone, so she could put the phone up to her pregnant belly while he had her listen to Fatboy Slim at Woodstock
2: '99. Yeah, which that definitely just sounded like. <laughs> 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 By the time
1: it got to the baby, but when I love it you, when you're supposed that is to play. At- you know, you're supposed to play like Mozart for your kid in the womb or something like that. Like, you know, make it smarter. This kid's the dumbest Yo, kid in the world. Fat right boy is fucking in heaven.
0: Yep. Fat boy Slim yeah. is fucking in heaven. Yeah. And that baby just comes out like, uh, 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 uh,
2: uh. the baby is born with spiked hair.
0: The baby's just like, this shit's fucking wicked. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, they're like, we're I, from I fucking that. Staten Island.
2: <laughs> that is totally a, a great idea when you're on lots of drugs like you're you're, you're yeah.
0: thought, it, well, thought it you through. know it wasn't said but i think it was implied oh okay uh, maybe right. not all right all right so with that being said that brings us to the end of day two next episode we'll of course be doing a recap of the entire day but that's that's it for for the headliners of day two uh Ooh. woof yeah thank Th- and you this was definitely the most extreme day uh music wise and crowd wise i mean uh well that's tough to say, but I'm gonna tell you guys right now, and yes, you do have a buffer episode of a recap, but day three is the roughest musically. It is fucking fucked. Oh, you mean in
2: terms of <laughs> who plays that we're going to have to Oh my gosh, Brian Setzer finish?
0: Orchestra, Rusted Root, fucking uh collective soul. You just God's named three night. of my
1: favorites. Four of my favorites.
0: <laughs> yeah, stop. Are you reading my mind? <laughs> no, I don't wanna Awesome. Oh, no. All right. So uh, real quick, we want to thank again Bill Conway from Hard Times for being here. Bill, uh, I know Hard Times, you know, and if you guys at home don't know, Hard Times is a great, you know, satirical news site, really funny stuff.
1: Uh, and you guys just started your own podcast as well, right? Yeah, it's called the Hard Times Podcast because we we networked that. We, we had workshops to see what the name of the podcast should be. <laughs> finally landed on that after several weeks uh but yeah we just uh talk with musicians that we enjoy we've had brian baker on from minor threat we've had uh, this week coming up uh, we'll have walter from gorilla biscuits and youth of today oh, cool. ha- had uh comedian fred armison on a couple weeks ago so a lot of cool people on and that comes out every thursday you can download it if you're listening to this podcast you know how to get podcasts so yeah. <laughs> just type in the hard times podcast Yes. All right. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Also, uh, we are, I'm not sure when this one's coming out, but we are working on our very first live event, which will include a huge retrospective exhibit on Woodstock 99, which will, you know, we'll have dozens of uh, authentic artifacts from, from the festival on display. And then we'll also be there, uh, you know, showing some videos, talking um, when we'll have some other entertainment. That's going to be July 14th at Zebulon in Los Angeles. Uh, Thank you guys at home. Make sure you like and subscribe and share this, review it Uh, for exclusive content. Check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash culture dumps. I just posted a ton of never before seen photos. I'm going to be doing some video stuff on, on there very soon. And uh, if you went to, worked at, or played Woodstock 99, please contact us at podcast99official at gmail.com or on Instagram at podcast99. We'd like to thank Gray Holger at Condredick Sound for all of his technical assistance. I'm Ryan Lichten. I've been here with Parks Miller and our guest Bill Conway. Thanks, and we'll see you at Woodstock.